I don't want to say it, but you know, if this continues, maybe in a year's time, it could be more like a five quid for a flat white. The real number is that the monthly cost has increased more than six times. But I think we need to get ready and prepare to the fact that it's never going to be back to how we had it in the past, so to say, with very cheap gas and eventually cheap power, depending on the country, and cheap oil. It's, it's just actually not really the world we're going to be in future. Welcome back to the Fifth Wave podcast. I'm Jeffrey Young, editor-in-chief of coffee business magazine, Fifth Wave. Now, coffee shop operators have faced an unprecedented set of challenges in these last two years. A pandemic, supply chain bottlenecks, staff shortages, soaring inflation, a strong US dollar leading to also higher coffee and equipment prices. And to cap it all off, we now find ourselves in the midst of an energy crisis. Two years ago, energy was a line item nestled halfway down the list of a cafe's expenditures. But energy prices have shot up so fast these last few months that this line item is becoming top of the list, threatening to overtake rent as a major monthly expense. Today, we'll be examining the impact of soaring energy prices and how coffee shop operators are addressing this problem. We'll be hearing from Henry Ayres of Gentleman Baristas, Konstantinos Konstantinopoulos of Coffee Island. But we start with energy expert Muriel Gangabin, Senior Associate of EU Energy Policy at Agora Energy Vendor. Welcome, Muriel. Thank you. Now, just to set the scene, I wonder if you give us a little bit about your company and what does sort of your role entail? So Agora Energy Vendor is a think tank. We're based in Berlin, but we have also offices in Brussels, in Bangkok and Beijing. And what we do is mostly make recommendations towards policymakers to make the energy transition possible. So in this sense, we're somewhere between the academia, businesses, NGOs, ministries, and all the policymakers, and we make independent recommendations to push for the energy transition. Great. So would you say we're in an energy crisis in Europe? We surely are in an energy crisis, but I think we need to get ready and prepare to the fact that it's never going to be back to how we had it in the past, so to say, with very cheap gas and eventually cheap power, depending on the country, and cheap oil. It's, it's just actually not really the world we're going to be in future. When you look into the situation, what happened is in general, well, gas demand went up after the corona recession, so to say, or mm-hmm. during the whole uh, period where the businesses were closed. And many countries starting off their businesses, industries, again, in 2021, demand went up very quickly, and especially in Asia, in China. And so gas demand went up so much that supply didn't really follow. To explain that partly, it's also that during the pandemic, a lot of investments were slowed down or also stopped at all. So a lot of investments that used to happen in the gas industry, for example, didn't happen. And that's also why it explains some investments were not made that could allow to increase production today very quickly. So when demand increases, supply is tight, then prices go up. Right. So what you're saying is this energy crisis had already started before the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Exactly. The trend was visible already last summer. Mm -hmm. And in many countries, the gas prices on the markets went up already 
at that period. It's just, I think at the retail level, it took some more time for the customers to see it happen because, well, the suppliers tend to have longer term contracts or they have futures, for example, so they buy in advance a certain amount of gas, for example, that they sell to their customers. And actually the price increase only happens to be pushed to the customer a bit later. So that's why I think some customers are just seeing the increase now, but some did already last year. It really depends on the kind of contracts uh, each of the customer had. Does your think tank believe that the situation could get worse before it gets better? Or are we at the worst part now? I think we're not really in a good place now. I think most of the people, uh, we all need to do something, not only the citizens as such, but also the businesses. It's very important now to understand that the um, supply constraint that we're having right now on the gas side and the oil side and also on the power side for different reasons is here for at least 12 months. Right. We need to make all efforts together because whatever we can save today will help us actually go through next winter. I think that's something we need to understand especially for gas, for example. Supply remains tight. Investments are currently being made. We're building new LNG terminals, et cetera. But that's not going to be changing the picture that much before 18 months to 24 months. So energy prices for coffee business are not going down in the next 12 months. What practical solutions can a coffee operator or roaster implement today? So actually energy saving is right now the cheapest solution So to say, yeah, to to go through this winter and next summer as well. And so if there are alternative equipments that allow to actually use less energy, then probably now is the right time to make the calculation. If I save so much energy, then it's worth already making the investment. Otherwise, for heating, for all the uh, cost of running a, a store, for example, I think it's, it will be important to not be wasting energy. So obviously, keeping the doors closed, um, having temperature, for example, it's, yeah, it's a bit, it seems a bit symbolic, but actually heating at 19 degrees it's, is what the expert consider being the right level of temperature. And actually, if you save one degree, you save about 7% of your energy bill for heating. So it's significant at the current prices. Is there any form of renewables that maybe could be implemented, perhaps solar panels? And I'm thinking especially over the next six months, over the sort of the cold months ahead. Mm -hmm. Is there any quick fixes that businesses and citizens could implement? I think solar is one of the little things that can be done quite quickly. Mm -hmm. And yeah, if you have some space on a roof and you are allowed to make the decision on your own, then well, go for it. I think... It's right now, there's a lot online also to help making the investment analysis of how long do I need to make the investment also uh, profitable, so to say. If you have the option, I guess that's one of the solutions that could be implemented in general next to reducing demand as much as you can. Great. But I think if anything, this crisis is just actually accelerating, really. It looks like there is a huge push towards more renewables. Everybody's recognizing that that's the only actually short-term solution we have. And so we don't really have an option here. We have to invest in renewable energies. We have to work on efficiency. We need to work on reducing our demand and look into ways to make our lives and our businesses work with less energy. Thank you so much for joining us here today on Fifth Wave. Thanks for the interview. Coffee operators, take note. Muriel says this energy crisis will be with us for at least 12 months. This is a long time to shoulder these high costs. Muriel's short-term solutions are simple but effective. Use less energy, switch energy-intensive equipment to more efficient alternatives, turn down the heating and air conditioning, and keep doors closed. 
Now let's examine how this energy crisis is affecting coffee shop operators and how they're trying to cope. We now talk with Henry Ayres, co-founder and wholesale director at The Gentleman Baristas, a collection of 10 coffee houses in London, a roasting business, and a soon-to-open coffee training school. Welcome, Henry. Hello. Thank you for having me. Well, tell us about how is the energy crisis impacting your business? So, I mean, massively. So most business contractors, contracts for utilities are agreed up to, say, on a 12-month basis. The support package from the government only covers about six months. So therefore, six months is calculated on the highest tariff that energy companies can charge. And as an example, our sites that we're paying sort of £1,200 a month will now be paying six grand a month. <sighs> Deep sigh. <laughs> and that's just one example. Six grand a month, £6,000 a month. Yep. Yeah. Wow. So, you know, effectively quadrupling the price of your energy bills. Yeah. 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 You know, everything has increased. Mm. There's not one supplier that hasn't increased their prices in some way. So green coffee, for example, is our biggest worry and, and challenge. It's traded in dollars. So when the pound tanks against it, the knock-on effect is massive. So green coffee costs increased i'd say 40 to 50 percent so does that mean passing on price increases to consumers tell us about that yeah i mean for us earlier this year it's the first time in eight years we'd increased our price of of a cup of coffee and we felt bad enough doing that and we also have to consider the wholesale side we have to increase the kilo price and the majority of people were fine with that it's interesting you come out of lockdown and uh, i found myself sort of thinking hold on price of beer has that doubled? It's certainly more than it was. I'm not getting much change from a 20 quid for um, a round. But you increase coffee by 10 or 20p and it's uproar. Everyone's increasing. So whether, it, whether you're a restaurant or a coffee shop, because of the knock-on effects of your supply chain, right down to the farmers, et cetera, milk. And unfortunately, the, the consumer, our customers, they're going to have to have that price increase. So that cup of coffee is going to increase now. It has to mm. for um, a business to, to be viable. And you see the bigger chains, I think they were the first to adopt that. And I think speciality tried to withhold for as long as they could. But realistically, we're going to see a cup of coffee increase to near on four quid. And yeah. I don't want to say it, but you know, if this continues, maybe in a year's time, it could be more like a five quid for a flat white. Wow. Which would be devastating. And really the baseline before COVID was around three quid or just under for specialty. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So you're going to have to increase prices again and the whole market will increase prices. Do you think customers understand that? I mean, majority of customers get it. It's in the news anyway, so it's only a matter of time before, well, you know, coffee should. So with interest rates increasing and inflation, the real risk is that consumers will stop buying coffee from you. So when you think about coffee for us is volume. So if we're selling to a wholesale customer, a case of coffee or two cases of coffee, if that's being reduced, then the knock-on effect there, that's quite worrying. But revenues in our retail sites are already down. So Monday to Friday trade has not returned. That's put a huge pressure on our sites to even break even. Mm. So if you think about it's now Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, those are the busy days for restaurants and coffee shops alike. But now Monday and Friday, they're just not performing as well as they have been. We've got certain sites which just aren't 
hitting that mark at all. Others are doing okay. They're holding, holding strong, but it's just concerning times. And so I suppose the challenges for us are we've got to have that constant communication with our suppliers or landlords and, and our customers. So realistically, landlords have to realize that coffee shops in central London, on the whole, don't generate as much money as they used to. And that leases need to be renegotiated. Turnover leases, for example, make a lot more sense and definitely reduce risk. And it's, it's definitely communication is key here. So many people will be sort of maybe ignoring suppliers or certainly landlords. But if you just have that conversation, we've been really fortunate with some of our landlords, all of them, in fact, but just having that communication, that conversation saying, we need to renegotiate. Look, you can see, <laughs> we can see where we are. It's not what it was, was. It's not a five-day week or seven-day week anymore. And the majority of them have been really helpful in looking to renegotiate that, which is great because if we leave, they've got an empty unit. And ultimately, they don't want that. We certainly don't want that either. So the communication is key. You know, this increase in energy costs is really causing you to have to increase your prices ultimately to deal with the pressures of, of the current marketplace. What are the other implications of rising energy costs to the entire coffee industry? We're seeing now more than ever, obviously, to roast the joyous bean, majority of us use gas. Okay, So there's that in itself. We've just committed to a huge new space, and this has rent implications there. But energy-wise, it's the power to run that. Not only the coffee school, but everything in there. With our own sites, we've got electricity, running the heating, grinders, the machines, etc. Everything. So if you multiply that by 10 sites, we're not alone in that. So multiple sites, the cost implication of energy use in itself is just scary now. It makes one think, okay, which of our sites is viable? Do we, do we continue? Do we look at restructuring? Do we drop a few sites? But ultimately, GPs has always been about a family sort of ethos that our people come first. And if they're happy, then obviously our, our customers are. But um, that's the scary thing. We don't want to close any sites because we've got a workforce to consider. If you think the green's got to come over from, say, South America, and we're seeing that cost of, of green has gone up 40, 50%, then the time taken to get the green over to the UK and then once it's docked, accessing that. So we're hearing scare stories of people not being able to access their stock for, you know, anything from th sort of two, three, four months, which is scary. So you're having to forecast and, and sort of jump ahead of yourself, which you've always done as an industry, but now it's with the implications of, of energy increases, et cetera. It's just another headache that we've got to consider. So all these things, COVID was bad enough. <laughs> And now we come out the other side and looking at this three-day week, and now we've got the energy crisis. Crikey, come on. Um, Christmas is going to be tight this year, that's for sure. And how else are energy costs affecting other stakeholders in the industry? For example, other cafes, even just the staff that work in coffee shops, you know, having to make their own ends meet. Well, this is it. I mean, I, I know of a roaster that some of the roasting team are having to go on bristers on tap to pump up their uh, weekly wage, the weekly take-home. But we're an industry that's struggling to try and find staff at the best of times anyway, and we're seeing some staff sort of going for the highest paid. We've got very loyal staff, don't get me wrong, 
But there are cases of people out there going, right, I can get a couple of quid more, so I'm going to go over there. But also the hours, you know, as a business, how many hours can we give people on a weekly basis? We want to be able to give full-time wage, but realistically, it's looking like part-time. So we don't want to do zero-hours contracts. No, that's not what we do. But more and more of our household customers are struggling to give their staff the hours. I'm seeing more actual operators, actual owners of the business doing hours and really stretching themselves. I can think of not more than a handful of my household customers who are now getting to the point where they are so stretched and stressed out because they're doing the extra hours. So you're looking at burnout. And, you know, we've, we've talked about mental awareness, mental health, et cetera. But a lot of these businesses, the owners, are putting such immense pressure on themselves. It's only a matter of time before they burn out or give up. Um, I've seen multiple customers who were going to open a second or third site now shelve that for now. I've got certain customers talking about mothballing. It's unprecedented. It really is. It's, it's extraordinary. I know certain staff that are working elsewhere to subsidize their income, whether it's in a bar or other places. So doing two jobs, obviously there's tax implication there. But um, yeah, it's, it's worrying times. It really is. Whilst you want to give great customer service, I mean, I can think of some of our sites where we used to have sort of four man-woman team, and it's now down to two people. They're still giving exceptionally good service, but it's also putting a lot of stress on them to a degree. And obviously, it's quite sporadic in terms of service. It's not full-time all day long. But what it is, is we're asking them to give exceptionally good service, but with uh, half the team. And obviously, if they're struggling, then we're going to add someone there. And certain of our sites are busy enough to warrant having a full team. But I can think of quite a few of ours where we've reduced the workforce considerably. And we're not alone in that. I'm seeing a lot of our friends in the industry do just the same. Now, in terms of just the practical aspects of managing these costs with energy companies. Do you work with one energy supplier you know, across all portfolios or are there separate conversations to be had at each different unit, for example? Well, for us, we do work with one energy supplier and obviously people are, we're seeing people shop around. I'm talking to my wholesale customers and they're shopping around and trying to get the best deal or get locked in. I'm seeing the bakeries we supply some of them have done some great deals, so they're locked in to a sort of four or five year price fix, which is great. But for those that aren't, everyone's sort of scrabbling around trying to get the best deal or they've been locked into a contract. So for us, we do just have one, um, but it is, it's just definitely worth, worth shopping around for sure. Yeah. 100%. Quite worrying times. Henry, thanks for joining us here today on Fifth Wave. Thank you very much indeed for having me. There's no doubt Henry's business is feeling the acute pressure of high energy prices. The company is facing many difficult decisions which require swift action, including reducing staff hours when scheduling, closing unviable sites, renegotiating rents, finding cheaper energy contracts, and importantly, raising prices to cover increased costs across all areas of the business. None of these decisions are easy to make, but as Henry stressed, Good communication is key with all stakeholders. Now let's hear how a larger chain of coffee houses is navigating this energy crisis by speaking with Konstantinos Konstantinopoulos, CEO of Coffee Island, a franchise coffee operator with 483 sites, mostly in Greece, but with a growing number of franchise partners in Cyprus, UK, UAE, Canada and Switzerland. Welcome to Fifth Wave. 
It's my pleasure to be here with you today. Today, um, we're looking at the energy crisis. And I wonder whether you're seeing any of the energy crisis in your business. Definitely, there is a significant effect. But before going to that, Jeffrey, we have to take into consideration what has happened so far. So it's uh, over and above the energy crisis to what we are facing for the last uh, two years. Let's talk about the other things that you're facing. So I wonder if you just sort of give us some examples of where you've seen costs in your business rising. So we see that starting from COVID and the effect pandemic, there was a significant increase of logistics costs. So we saw, for instance, that the containers increased more than, let's say, eight to ten times. And at the same time, we had to deal also with lack of volumes and also lack of qualities in some cases. Not only in coffee, but also in food, in sugar and in other ingredients that are very important for our businesses. So starting from that, we can easily understand that there is an increase of the price that creates also inflation. So, Jeffrey, it's a very complicated thing that affects coffee, but not only. affects packaging materials, affects food, affects everything. And no doubt the strength of the dollar doesn't help either. Oh, of course, definitely. We are very exposed to that at the same time. Now, there's been a hospitality staffing crisis affecting operators globally. Are you seeing an increase in staff wages in Greece as well? Not really, but what we are facing is lack of expertise, mainly lack of loyalty. So we see, for instance, we try to train our personnel, we try to provide with everything that is needed in order to secure the best possible experience for our customers. But unfortunately, it's very hard to create incentives for personnel, it's very hard to find loyal personnel. And we try to, to see how we can increase, let's say, the motivation of the people that work for us. Now turning to the topic of energy prices, what has been your experience? Has it already started to affect your business? Yeah, definitely. In Greece, the problem started actually after the, the beginning of the war. Mm-hmm. Just to give you some numbers to understand, let's say, the size of that. If, let's say, we had a monthly fee of 400 euro as an energy cost, now this uh, has jumped to more than uh, 2,000 euro, maybe close to 3,000 euro. We don't have, let's say, the capacity and we don't have the fat in order to deal with that. Uh, so now, the only good thing is that we see that the government tries to find a way to support the businesses in general. But we don't know how long the government would be able to do that. If we take out the support of the government, the real number is that the monthly cost has increased more than six times. Wow. That's the real number at the end of the day. So what are you doing as a business person to try and reduce your energy costs What are the things that you think you're going to have to do to adapt? We try to renegotiate with, let's say, our suppliers, but there is not, say, enough room for improvement. So what we try to do as a franchise, let's say, business, we have more than 400 stores around my country, around Greece, and we try to find ways to support our stores. So we minimize, let's say, our profit almost to zero in some cases. 
And we try to support them through the system that we reduce the prices that we sell our products. Mm-hmm. And we try to take advantage of the volumes and of the size that we have in order to support them, not directly, but indirect. Mm. So your franchisees, they would then normally negotiate their energy contracts directly with whichever supply they want? Of course, they have the right to do, but we can do it in a better way uh-huh. because we can take advantage of the size that we have in total. Mm. So we are a big corporation. It's better for everyone to see, especially in that case, Coffee Island as a system and not as individual stores. Mm. How important would this energy crisis be in the reality of your business and the businesses of your franchisees? Is energy a big enough issue that it could make certain stores not viable? Unfortunately, as I said at the beginning, we have to deal with many problems at the same time. So everything happens in parallel. Mm. We have to deal with, with a higher cost of running a store, but at the same time, we have to deal with a consumer who has less money to spend. Or let's say due to inflation, the money has less value now. So we cannot increase our prices in order to make a significant profit. So the only way to deal with that is, of course, to create a barrier financially indirect in your system. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the same time, um, renegotiating every day, every single day, uh, everything that has to do with the cost. Not only with energy, but also with the price of coffee, with the price of milk, with the price of packaging, with the price of everything. It's something very complicated. It's something very hard to find solutions. But we think that we have to be extremely responsible and professionals and find the best alternatives to support the system of Coffee Island, support our stores. Yeah, it would be easy if there was one simple solution. But I guess what you're saying is just every day find ways to minimize those costs, strengthen your system, negotiate costs on a line by line and just keep everything tight. Exactly. And also in our case, we have promised ourselves to keep the quality level extremely high. We cannot change the quality of our services and the quality of our products. So this is not an option to find lower quality of products or of ingredients, of coffees. With all this going on, do you expect to still see growth in your business over the next one to two years? Or do you think there is a a potential you know, for recession and perhaps contraction in the number of stores? If we think that we will have to fine-tune, let's say, the network, but uh, definitely we need to find and we must find opportunities in that environment. We see that now we can be, in some cases, a bit aggressive and find better locations and uh, let's say penetrate the market in a better way. And at the same time, we see that there is uh, a significant demand uh, from other countries and we try to find the ways to increase our network also in other countries. For instance, now we are opening the second store in London. There is a significant growth also in, in Egypt. In Toronto also, we found a new partner and we are now at the beginning of the new strategy to 
to expand our businesses there. So definitely, definitely there are other opportunities. And I think it's our obligation to find uh, the strengths and the opportunities out of any crisis that we face. And what would you say uh, some of the learnings that you've taken in this very difficult two-year period? I think that uh, it's very important to be always honest and transparent with your colleagues, with your partners, with your franchisees, with your suppliers. Honesty, transparency, integrity are very important aspects of the business. For us, it's very important that we have very long collaborations with farmers all over the world. So we do businesses with farmers for more than, let's say, eight or 10 years, so they know us, we know each other. Uh, we have built very strong uh, connections and relationships with them. And uh, these create a very concrete and solid system. So it's about synergies, it's about working together with people. And if you have more with you, you become stronger to face uh, all the difficulties. That's a great way to leave it. Thanks so much for joining us here today on Fifth Wave. Thank you so much, Jeffrey. Speaking with Konstantinos, it's clear that the energy crisis is placing an unprecedented pressure on coffee shop chains. And he made it clear that his solution is to renegotiate contracts and prices across all of Coffee Island's vendors and partners without compromising quality. And again, these are not easy conversations to have, but as Constantino stated, the best way to navigate them is with honesty and transparency, echoing Henry's thoughts from earlier. Taking a step back and reflecting on everything we've heard, one thing is clear to me. If you are a coffee operator, do not ignore this energy crisis. It will be with us for some time, and it might be tempting to wait and hope for government intervention, but as the UK has recently shown, political landscapes can change very quickly. My advice is to act now to future-proof your business. And that's all for this week's Fifth Wave podcast. Please subscribe to the Fifth Wave wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've enjoyed this show, please recommend us to a friend or colleague. If you want to stay informed, visit worldcoffeeportal.com to get access to all the latest global coffee news, including the weekly coffee dose, our newsletter, collecting all the big coffee news stories of the week. Link is in the show notes. This episode was produced in the one and only Serendipity Studios in glorious Camden, North London. It was produced by myself, Jeffrey Young, Hannah Heath, James Harper of Filter Productions, and sound engineering by Chris Bristow. And this week's song, in collaboration with the Coffee Music Project, is Life Lives Inside by Flo Perlin and Pilgrim's Dream. And until next time, stay safe, stay passionate, Stay caffeinated and stay warm. Life is inside of you. We pray to the sea. Where was the shore? We gave what we could. We couldn't give more. And I ask the Lord, don't go away.
Thy ass alone.